Three, two, one. Let's, Let's go! go! I'm the host of the PVE Podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, sitting down with Jacob. Is it Coogler? Coogler. Man, do they call you Cougar? They call me the Coog. The Coog. I love that. I was thinking about that. I was listening to Two Men, One Pitch. You know, those guys fucking around talking with you that podcast. I was yeah. listening to that on the way here. And uh, I'm like, I wonder if they call him the Coog, you know? Well, it's Coogler, Cougs, or the Coog. <laughs> I love it. It's a lot of stuff. I like, now, do you guys all call him the Pegs? We call him Dick. Dick? Yeah, I go by Dick. Yeah. Ah, damn it, Richard. <laughs> you let him pull that? Well, we're close. <laughs> no one else can call him that. Oh, yes. Sir, introduce yourself real quick. Oh, my name is Jacob Kugler. I'm here from Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. What do you do for a living? Uh, I am the regional sales manager for Gas Clip Technologies. We sell uh, H2S monitors and four gas meters. Really? Yep. Right on. I got to talk to you about that. Pagel, introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, Richard Pagel. I'm also here from Texas. Uh, I work for Exxon Mobil and Houston uh, yeah, Um, Okay, we are here at the Houston Crawfish Boil put on by Blue Moon Exploration. I don't know if you know this about them. They drilled the largest onshore oil and gas discovery in like the 1990s. I guess the well came on at 2,500 barrels a day. Wow. Where, where at? Louisiana in something called like the golden something field in Louisiana, dude. Which is crazy because Louisiana is known for their gas play. No, this baby was oily. Golly. Oily. I mean, 2,500 barrels a day at $80 oil. Wow. That's retirement, man. Yeah. But he's money. still drilling. The guy's got to be in his 70s. I mean, he knew William Hagen's dad, Stratagraph, the guy who runs Stratagraph, the, the company that's co-sponsoring this thing. His dad was Billy Hagen. Long time oil and gas, mud logging. Like, he used to own the mud logging company, right? Yeah. I worked for the mud logging company. Stratograph? No, I was. So I did advanced services for the mud logging company in 2012. So when they, would, when they started doing exploration drilling up in the Utica in Steubenville, Ohio, West Virginia, yeah. we'd take up there, we'd take the Lego machines. Is that right? We'd take the samples from the mud loggers. Yeah. And we'd find their mineral, mineral and elemental background yeah. for production zone drilling. Right. Dude, that's yeah. where the money's at, that's man. It. You ran Lico. You're talking about TOC and Rocky yep. Valparalysis. Yep. That's fine. I mean, you yeah. can't make this shit that was up. Early, that was early in my, well, that wasn't super early in my oil career, but that's man. when I got back into it. Dude, you were looking at the history of the earth right there, man. You were looking yeah. at how Mother, Mother Nature put it all together. Yeah. Love it. Okay, let's talk. Let's rock it back, man. I want to know more about this. Where are you from? Like, where are you born? I'm originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. What? Yeah. So and my mom works for the government. Okay. Uh, Homeland Security now, but it was, uh, I forgot what they called it then. So she got transferred here in Houston in 1990. And uh, I grew up in the neighborhood right around, right around the street. Really? Uh, then when we realized it was a very safe neighborhood, we moved towards the Klein area. And uh, so now I live on the north side. Uh, and that's, and that's my kicker grounds. And from there, I played high school ball there and wrestled. You're freaking Houston your whole life? Since I Besides was Indiana, like, yeah, yeah so I was six. Well, I joined the military, so oh, okay. I, I left and do my service. And then uh, that I was right after high school. Yeah. I, so I blew my knee out my junior year. Uh, scholarships kind of started falling away. There wasn't yeah. much for a guy who couldn't be healthy for a whole season anymore. Yeah, man. What was uh, the problem? Shoulders, knees, my knee. Damn yeah. it. I was solid, strong safety. Oh, man. So you're built like a strong, like yeah. a bullet, man. Yeah. 
So I, don't, I would not want to see you on the other side of the field. I can't hit. I don't even know how. <laughs> oh, you were more of a, a defensive. No, like, I'm a hitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 9/11 happened, and uh, I had my my family of service. So uh, my heart pulled me to serve our country. Wow. So my twin brother and I both uh, enlisted, and I, and I deployed to Baghdad, Iraq, in 2004. What the shit, yeah, man! Fought in the siege of Sadr City. Uh, wow, man! With, I just recently did a podcast with a guy who was on Ground Zero. It, he was just doing banking stuff, right? He says they all are sitting in the office. He actually got early there that day. He's never early, and he's sitting out. Boom! And everyone's like, "What the fuck? What was that?" They go down. It's like fifteen stories. They go outside, and he's like, "Oh shit, a plane!" He's like. He thought it was like a Cessna. You know, he didn't imagine it was a commercial. They looking up at the Twin Towers like, oh, shit, a plane hit the Twin Towers. He looks down, body flat on the ground, you know, on right. And he's like, whoa, what the? And he sees a big tire, you know, this massive commercial wheel airplane tire, papers falling. And he's like, man, that's crazy. Goes back into the office like he's going to work the rest of the day. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Gets back up there. Here's the second one. And he's like, it was fight or flight, man. I knew we were under attack. And he just bounced. He has a, a pretty wild story, man, from from being there that moment. Oh, just couldn't imagine. Chills, dude. No, couldn't imagine. Like when you deploy to a combat zone, you expect to be in a shit show. Yeah. But could you imagine just being like like these kids at school? I'm just at school. And then dude. your whole world changes. It, that's nuts to me. I just my mind can't wrap around instant tragedy in the unexpected, man. Yeah. Yeah, the whole world changes, dude. Physics change. I feel like your energy is just like, wait a minute. Some people have the ability to like slow it down and like act and react to what's happening. Some people are just blank, you know, yep. like it, something else takes over, man. You just go into autopilot and your body's going to react the way it does. But yeah, man, I, I can't imagine what you were doing, dude. So that all happened. You saw that all unfolding. You saw the the country saying, we're going to go after these guys. And you were like, I'm I'm there. Going. Yep. Jeez, dude. It was it was. It was instant. It was God, you know, like, how many people are like, I yeah. fucking love this guy <laughs> yeah. right now. Like, so I remember we got home from school. They canceled football practice, and my mom's a big crier, right? Like, yeah. And she served, and she knew what was gonna happen. She knew. And then my dad, he looked at me, he goes, "We're going to war, boys." I said, "Well, then I'm going." Jeez, dude. And so my brother and I both enlisted as infantry soldiers. Went to advanced infantry school. Uh, I deployed before him. But. What was it like when it, when you were rolling up with a bunch of people from around the country? You didn't know it. Was everybody like firing their eyes like you, or what, did you see scared people? Like, what did you see? We were all a bunch of kids. Like, it's I, so now I got kids of my own, right? So yeah. when I'm looking at these, I look at kids that are my age now. I'm like, man, how stupid was I? You know. But then again, when you look at young men and women that is, that willfully sign a contract that could potentially end their life, you have to. Have, an immense amount of respect for them. Oh, dude. So it's like, I don't know. I, I just remember being real upset because it was the first time I'd really been away from home. Yeah. But I was an athlete and like there's just something was burning in my soul. Like this was what I was supposed to do. So I was like, I'm going to be the best. Ah, and I'm going to go do what I got to do. Load me up. I'll carry all the bullets. That's it. Load yeah. me up. Yeah. Send, it's like uh, it's one of my favorite Bible verses. Send me. What is it? My It's uh, Isaiah 6, 8. It says, for the voice of the Lord says, who shall go for us and whom shall I send? And I said, here am I, send me. Oh, wow. So, Jeez, oh. dude, that's what was rolling through your head. Yeah. I think about that before we play games. I think Is about that. Is that right? Yeah, I do. It's because it's like, you got to, 
in order to do anything, whether it be business, parenthood, yeah, uh, recreational sport, life, life, you have to have a certain, you have to have a mentality of, I'm going to attack this, yeah, and there consequences come regardless, good yep. and bad, and to understand that and just go into it like, I have to be the, I have to be the tip of the spear. Jeez, that's dude. it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. I'm ready to run through a wall right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it with you. Man. Yeah, I'll do it with you, brother. Like, let's go. Like, let's go. Send me. I'll go first. Jeez, man. Yeah. So, all right. So you get out there. Like, what? Someone that imagines what you're talking about, right? Like, I know there's thousands of, of veterans that know exactly what you're talking about. But people that are listening and people that might even be in their BDUs and thinking maybe we are going to war someday, but they're just in it. Like what was like your actual job, like going into the war zone? Like, like how do you get brief for that? Like, what was your job when you did that? Uh, so I was an infantry soldier. So my, I was a frontline soldier, right. And I was on, uh, an urban assault team, right. So really it, what we were doing when we went to Baghdad, we went to the slums of Baghdad and they did a like, so we were in the siege of Sauter city. It's called the battle of black Sunday. We lost seven. We had seven guys get killed and 60 were wounded in an hour. And then we fought for 80 straight days. It's the longest straight combat operation in the war's history. Um, so they wrote a book about it. It's called the long road home. National geographic did an eight part miniseries about it by the same name, the long road home. Wow. So when we went, it was right after Bush stood on that carry and was like, the war is over. Uh, it's no longer considered a war zone, right? This is a police action. So we're thinking we're just going to kind of help restabilize the region and oh, rebuild wow. it. Wow, yeah. Well, there was a clergyman they named Mohammed al-Sadar who was there. Um, and he didn't like us being there. And so he, we shut down his uh, newspaper because it was kill Americans. They're not here for good, whatever, whatever. Well, us being the occupying force, we didn't want it to be, we didn't want it to be that. Was, yeah. Hey man, we're trying to rebuild your infrastructure. We're trying to rebuild, like we came and we knocked this down. We're trying to rebuild this. Right. So, uh, then on April 4th, I remember we were actually, we were actually company honey wagons, what we called them, basically they're shit trucks. Cause there's, they have no central plumbing. So there's, they throw their waste in the street. Jeez. So we're watching these honey wagons or these septic trucks suck up septic. And then we come under attack. Like we, it, my platoon sergeant said it was like um, an anthill. Like what happens when you kick over an anthill? Jeez. There's 2.9 million people in nine square blocks. What? In Baghdad? Well, in that central part in of Baghdad. that part of it? What? Yeah. The... So, and so if this was, if you imagine how Houston looks, right? So if this is Houston, Sauter City is like a suburb or like the slum. It'd be like Independent Heights or Acres Homes or the Third Ward. That's it's where they send all their criminals and their uh, least of these. And you guys are doing what? You were there washing a. You we're guys cleaning. Were... We're just cleaning up the region, rebuilding their schools and their electrical infrastructures. And our job, my job, was to guard the guard our our civilian contractors and our army engineers because we're combat arms. And then it turned into a real combat operation. What the shit, man. Yeah. That first fucking pop, pop, pop. You start hearing bullets flying. And well, I was I was in the talk when it went down and we were sitting. We didn't we slept on top of buildings in this command center. And I was actually playing spades. Like so card game. Yeah, card game. We're because we I wasn't on patrol. So I was kind of hanging out. Yeah. And you hear you just hear this big explosion and 
the sound of a of a two forty Bravo going off, which is a machine gun, and you can look off in the distance and you see tracer rounds, and then all of a sudden our squawk box or the radio starts going nuts, nuts, yeah, like with troops in contact, tick 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 tick, and then you start hearing KIA. Ah, fuck. Then, there, you, there goes the spear, man. You and, got yeah, up. And, and then, oh, I mean, I I wasn't even fully dressed. I was in my I was in my DCU bottoms and a t-shirt. I put on my kit, and it was time to go. Golly. Wow, man. And it was 80 days from that moment? 80 days straight from that moment. We fought. Every single day, we were in contact with, with an insurgent force. What the hell? Like, so how, they were they were attacking you, trying to, like, take over? Like, they were just trying to kill everybody? Well, like, how does that? So, as a young man, I would say, I would have said, yeah, I mean, they're just assholes trying to kill us. Yeah. As a man now, think about it. Think about if someone came to try to invade our country, right? And I'm not saying we invaded that country. We were there for a strategic standpoint, but to them, it was an invasion, right? We were we were not wanted there at the time, right? Now the old, so it was a battle between, it's like a battle between religious law, old and new, right? The younger Muslims wanted us there because they want freedom, right? The older generations, they don't want us there because we're trying to, we're changing things, Wow. right? So, wow. so if someone's kicking rocks in your backyard, you don't want them there, all of a sudden, you, you get wanna, to a point. It's like, hey, man, it's time for time for you to get the hell out of my yard, dude. So that's what it turned into. And uh, when a battle like that goes off, what kind of technology did you have? Like, did you have the ability to look through buildings and shit with like these crazy binoculars? That no, could, like, I did see? not. Right. So as a ground as a ground troops force, it, my point of contact was the tip of my rifle. Jeez. And we had not and we had nods and like well, then we had like infrared infrared lasers for nighttime operations yeah. but really it was you see is what you get and when it starts popping off just turn and shoot golly man and they were equipped with what fucking like sandals t-shirts ak-47s rocket propel grenades ak-47s is a bad fucking 762 round will rip someone up real good damn you're fighting with something equivalent to that though huh yeah well uh, five five six round so it, it's basically like an ar or two two three round so with the deer hunting round but a little higher in grain. Okay. So, but yeah, it, but we had a, a higher, we had a better show of force, right? Cause I'm rocking with, I got grenades on my hip. I've got 210 rounds strapped to my chest. I got a pistol. And how about the reloading and shit? I mean, you're burning through that in 80 days. You guys are going through ammo. You're going through food, going through, you guys are getting resupplied and shit during this whole time. Sometimes. Damn. Like, so when you go out, so when it becomes, you, you set up a, a central standpoint, right? And so we have our, our commands, our talk, so everything comes into us and it get dropped to us. Right? Okay. You don't leave the wire without 210 rounds on your person. And inside your Humvee or your Bradley, there's a whole lot more ammunition. Yeah. So it turns into, like, I know you guys see it in the movies, you get that one skinny little private that kind of drops his weapon and all he's just carrying ammo, carrying ammo. and he's running. And that's a real thing, man. Damn it. You get what the, do you guys call you those guys? Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you, can just, you just get some squirrely young big nut private and he's just going after it. Jeez. And it's man. it's scary, man, when you move yeah, out of contact. I can't imagine, dude. Can't imagine, man. I can't imagine. That's crazy, man. That's it's amazing you did that. It's amazing you came back from that. And uh, you got a personality like you do, dude. You're able to talk about that. You're able to still, you know, be on a rugby team and like learn from other men. Like, tell me a little bit about just like personally, if it's too personal, I understand. But like what you 
brought back from all of that and to society of, of America, right? Where everything's supposed to be just like, we got it all and like everything's supposed to be fine. Like, what was that like? So, man. So I was a young man. Uh, so I got wounded. I got out. I got med boarded. So I was medically retired from the military because at the time, uh, we had people filtering in the military so fast because it was a time of war. It, my rehab, the, my full rehab lapsed the reenlistment contract. So I was basically useless to the military, even for if I changed my job. Oh, wow. So, and I was really fortunate. I had a guy who was uh, my, my uh, med board counselor. He goes, hey, man, you're a young man. Go to college. Go. You did your time. You've earned your right. Go. So I went to Texas A&M. And yeah, whoop. and I, so I go, I go to AM and uh, code roll blend, and I had a really hard time uh, transitioning because not even 11 months out of a war zone, I was already enrolled in college. You're sitting in a classroom. Yeah. And I'm around kids who are, are my age, like are just a little younger than me. And I'm, I have a, I have a full grown man's life experience. And I'm looking at these guys who, or bitching about like I gotta work. I'm working a job and going to school, and I've been to combat. And I'm looking at kids that are just coming out of high school with just no idea yeah. what's going on. And I remember I was in a night class, and this I was this English teacher, and our political views were very separate. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, respectable. Right, it's fine. And I remember she said something about the war, and this older lady who was getting her degree at night said, "There's a war going on." And I had just buried 27 friends. So I'm like, how did you take like, that? I, I lost my, I, I was actually dismissed from the class and I was dropped from the class because of my reaction. Because I just, I was like, if you quit watching MTV and turn on the news, you would know kids are dying. Like from your own community, kids are dying and you don't know what's going on. And then this lady goes, the, or the professor goes, you're out of line. I said, I'm out of line. You brought the topic up. Yeah. She was like, we're there. We're not supposed to be there. I said, that's crazy. Oh, because to go to war, you have to have the House and the Senate agree on it. And it's a Democratic Senate right now. So tell me, ma'am, what are we supposed to do? I just oh, I can go all day with that one. Wow. So I had a real hard time. Um, yeah. I fell into drinking real heavy. Damn it. Right? Uh, when you lose friends that way, it's... It's uh, I, I remember what I call it, we call it staining your soul, right? It yeah. stains your soul, and I was twenty one. Oh, dude! Right? Like, yeah. And I, it's not just losing your buddy in a car accident. I watched no, my friends yeah, yeah. suffer, which is hard. Yeah. So, uh, I fell into to pill addiction and to alcoholism. I was I wouldn't say an alcoholic, but I really leaned on the bottle. What was it about the alcohol? Because I would classify myself as a highly functioning alcoholic. <laughs> I would that's what I would say. I could drink from morning to sundown and basically handle everything that ha comes my way. Like if it's a normal day, I'd be able to do it. Like it was I guess it was more like peer thing, right? So when we got home from the war, a lot of us got wounded. So we're all sitting in these med boards and we're like, what do you want to do? Let's go to class six and get booze and just get scooter brown drunk. So we'd all drink and then None of us wanted to sleep, so we go to the dope man and get a bump, or we take perks Damn to it. keep us awake. So, so it was like a have, gateway of shit. That it was just I don't want to have nightmares. I don't want to. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to re-experience this because like shell shock or post-traumatic stress is a very real thing. Yeah, and men come home broken. 
Dude, I mean, I, I believe post-traumatic stress goes way beyond what you guys experience. You guys are like the 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 worst of the worst. Like, I can't imagine. I, I had a friend growing up that fought in Vietnam. Lot, you know, I've, I've seen it, and I've seen it destroy human beings at your level. I feel like what we're learning from all that now is post-traumatic stress actually goes a lot deeper in our sure. lives. It does. And the education of post-traumatic stress is what we should be drilling into people's heads instead of identity and emotions and all that stuff like the concept of how i feel and how i'm supposed to feel about something no teach me about how fucked up my dad is to me and and what i'm feeling don't like all this other stuff that we talk about and that i hear about with teachers and all this shit in the media about like what they're teaching kids in public schools like no dude like post-traumatic stress is is a huge spectrum and we carry that for years that's with right us. so most combat joes or anyone with post-traumatic stress, right? And it can be a rape victim, car accident, whatever trauma, yeah. right? But most, it, statistically, most from post-traumatic stress uh, patients come from, they're, they're already, they're predisposed to it because of previous trauma. Oh. So there's other trauma that it's kind of like, it's like, it's almost like a shit stain in your drawers. It was already there. And then you're just adding to it. And then you have this unresolved issue and mine comes from my childhood. But then, I, well, I didn't know that because my childhood trauma at the time had been resolved. So that's right. But who would have known that, like, that triggered something and it changed? So uh, I don't know. I Man, my heart really goes out to guys that still. I still struggle. My brother still struggles. But the guys that are still taking their licks, I really, man, my heart goes to them. And there's, and that's what one of the things that brought me to rugby. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. What's well, this? I have a really cool story before that. I so I they I was an athlete. After I got right. injured, they said I would never compete or do anything ever again. So I'm what like, what was wrong with your knee? Uh, so I was moving. So I I took indirect fire to my leg, right? But that wasn't really caused the damage. I was moving a guy Brett size, who had got shot in his leg four times, and I was carrying him on my back out of a combat zone. And my leg gave out and it tore everything. Golly. Right. So I, I, I took shrapnel. I, I got all, I got all, all you want, but I blame Brett. Brett is, <laughs> Brett is my trigger right now. <laughs> so his name was uh, Riley Soden. He's a great guy. Jeez, uh, but he, Did he, he survive? Huh? Riley survived. Yeah. Me and him are friends on Facebook. He's a rugby guy in Colorado. Is that right? Yeah. So, but uh, they said I would never compete again athletically. And I was like, well, I'm going to go play football for Blinn college, junior college which I didn't do, right? Because I ended up co-enrolling at A&M, which I couldn't do that. And then uh, I, I, my dad's a recovery pastor. Oh, so my wow. dad was my dad's an OG biker, alcoholic drug addict. Wow. And I walked into his recovery ministry one night because I was home from school. And this guy named Israel Olson, who is his dad, was a, a recovering addict as well. He was a jiu-jitsu guy. He goes, hey, man, y'all are in grappling in the Army, right? And I was like, yeah, Gracie Combatives. He was like, you should come to my school yeah, and like come grapple. And he would always try to, and I'd known the guy since I was 16. So we like, there was rapport. So he's like, we grab ass and trying to wrestle. I was a high school wrestler. So yeah. we, we get after it and he oh, would choke man. me out. <laughs> Damn it. And I was like, all right, cool, man. You know, I'll show up. So I finally show up to the gym and it's Gracie Baja in the woodlands, which okay. is now run by Alex Gote, who fights in the UFC. Oh, cool. But at the time it was run by Chad Robichaux and his wife, uh, Kathy. And, uh, Chad's pretty big now in the scene of you know podcasts, and he runs the Mighty Oak Warrior Foundation. See, he's a analyst for Fox News. And he, oh wow! Him and his team went to the Ukraine, and he was 
part of the team that went to Afghanistan to pull those 17,000 people out. Wow. Yeah, so Ch Chad's, he's an amazing person. Yeah. And without him and my dad, I wouldn't be here. So, Is that right? So I step on the mat. Chad's a former Force Recon Marine, struggles with post-traumatic stress. So we click. Right. And I'm like, hey, man, I want to do this. So I just, and it was just for fun at the time, right? And I'm a natural pugilist, <laughs> right? I'm, I just like to hit stuff. <laughs> so we're wrestling and getting around. He's like, hey, man, like, do you want to fight? <laughs> I was like, you? Yeah. Or he goes, no, like, do you want to compete in MMA? I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be so cool. I, mean, <laughs> I get to, like, punch and kick people in the face. Yeah. So I got a chance to compete. And I got to compete with some high-level guys. Wow. Like, uh, How'd you do? I did I did all right. I didn't do bad. I got my ass whipped a couple times. Yeah. I, I didn't get my ass whipped a couple times. <laughs> right? Sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. You know? uh, but I got to train with a lot of really, really great people like Chad Robichaud and uh, Alex Morano, who's fighting in the UFC now, and uh, Ricky Tercius, who's in the UFC, who won the new the 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 revamp of the Ultimate Fighter show. What? Right, I've known him since he was a kid. And, what? Uh, I trained at Randy Couture's house in Colorado what? for months. The natural. Yep. I I got. I always make a joke. I, I always would say to Randy and his coach, I'm going to put an upper decker in your bathroom. But Randy's a monster. So, like, <laughs> and his coach is even meaner than him. Like, what the, the worst hell? ass one ever got in my life was not from the natural. <laughs> it was from his coach. What? He beat me senseless. Like, my beat my ears in. And he, the reason why he told me was, he goes, you just had to look in your eye like you're gonna try to hurt me. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to punch you. Like, I'm not trying to win. I'm just trying to have like we're sparring. But he beat them. Oh man! So I got to do that and went to Colorado and uh, we um, started the Mighty Oaks Warrior Foundation, which Chad did, and we used jujitsu as an outlet for post traumatic stress. Nice, right? Because talking about war wounds hurts. Right, right. It really hurts. And when you don't have the proper outlet, you lean on drugs, alcohol, women, violence, violence, right? Yeah. A lot of stuff. So. What we do is we talk about our feelings and then we go rough each other up. That's it. Then you got no energy to go drink it because you want to go to sleep. <laughs> right? I don't know if you ever rolled for oh, an man. hour, but it sucks. No, fuck no, not an hour. Five minutes. I'm like, holy shit. That's what I thought. I, so I did that for a lot of years and I stepped away from it to go back to the oil and gas because my son was born. And then uh, so I kept doing that. And then eventually, uh, for the wrong reasons, I found rugby. Hmm. But it turned out to be for the right reasons. Nice. And this sport has done so much for my mental health. Really? The practice, the camaraderie, the skill of it. The So we do a thing in our club. So we're, we're a real tight club, right? We do a thing in our club called Arrow's Tales. Where we get to sit. Like, we all know each other. We we bleed on each other. We sweat. We cuss. We do. We hit. But we drink beers and we have a good time. But we also share our stories. And I was able to share my story in depth with these guys who I really admire and i trust and yeah. i love a rugby team mma and wrestling was so fun because i got to compete like rocky said it in the movie like he said uh Sylvester sloan said it when he in one of the rocky movies he goes there's nothing greater than standing across from someone else and say i am this is it like it's you versus me it's everything inside of you versus everything inside damn of me, it right and that's like like you're gonna show me that's right. Like, you got to see me today. <laughs> oh, like, man. You're locked in here with me, not me with you, bud. Like, God. We're going to fight. But a rugby team and a way rugby moves is very, you're never alone. Every time you move into a tackle, you have a Richard or a Brett with you, right? Every time you're running the ball, you've got someone directly behind you. And it's so much like an infantry line. Mm. If I'm going in this door, I might not come back. 
but someone's behind me. And if I take a hit, you will take care of him and you will take care of me. Damn it. Yeah. And that's how we move. That's how rugby works. And it was, man, it was the most beautiful thing. There's a lot of similarities in the camaraderie and the way you move. So it's it actually, man. So I tell these guys all the time, had I found rugby before MMA, I never would have competed. Oh, wow. I would have sewed my life into this sport. Because it's so, not, not only is it just really, really cool, the basis and like the, everything that encompasses the sport is, it's what, and I, I'm not trying to single anything out, but it's what men need. Huh. A sense of community, purpose, to be driven, to compete. It's like everything that, that all men are created to have, it, it, spe- it pulls the warrior spirit out. And it, it makes you better. Damn it. Man, you got me sold on some rugby. Dude, I'm telling Go. you, man. Like you, I'm telling you, man. It sucks getting roughed up by big dudes like Juan because <laughs> he's so strong. But you know what? When you get up, you're like, let's take, go again. Yeah, I'll take it again. Like, I bet I get through this time. <laughs> right? Man. All right. So tell me a little bit about what's happening with the Houston Arrows, man. Give me a little history on this in this club. And then just like some simple stuff. I, I didn't really get an understanding of like, how the divisions work and like, right. Like, is this just like a happy, like get together group or like, this is statewide. Like this is a, so there are social sides, right. But we play competitive rugby, right? So if you look at, so if you, if you look at the way it's structured overseas, you have clubs and then you have international teams, right? Like same here. So we've got club rugby, we have the MLR and then we have the USA Eagles. All of those fall under USA rugby. We fall under Texas Rugby Union, which is our rugby union, which goes under the Red River Conference, Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Wow. which falls under USA Rugby. So there's other there's other conferences. Right. right? So, so the best from this conference plays the best from like the West Coast. Right. So we have divisions in Texas. Right. So there's, there's divisions and subdivisions. So we have a north south uh Central, central, right? D one C, whatever. And D one C. So, the way we way it works is so you compete throughout your season. You, every team, every every division's got their own team, their own set number of teams, and it's kind of like the NFL. You play everyone twice, okay, right, in your division, and then the best two teams make it to the playoffs or to the quarterfinals, right? The number one seed gets home advantage. The number two travels. Last two years, we've been the number one seed in our division. We've nice. been back-to-back division champions. This is Oklahoma, Louisiana, Texas. Yes. Damn, you guys are number one. Yes, in our in 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 our South division, right? In our South division. Yeah, so yeah not number one seed overall. No, overall, won, we won our division. We won oh, our division because okay. there's another division. So in our division, South division, we're number one. South division is what exactly? Just like Houston area. So we have Shreveport, uh, us, Galveston. Yeah, yeah basically Shreveport. Houston area. Basically Houston and Shreveport. And How many Houston, teams? Four teams? Uh, it's five teams. Five, five, teams. five, teams, five teams. Just teams. in the South Division. Yes. Then San Antonio's in another one. Then you got Dallas, Fort Worth. Where's Austin? Austin? Austin's, Austin's D1C. And they've D1C. got they've got like seven teams over there. Is that right? Yeah. Austin has, in that area, has got seven teams? Yeah. The Dal- wow. Dallas and Austin area, they, they're a much more heavily condensed rugby community. Wow. So, Damn. So Houston Arrows is... Everyone around Houston that can literally get to the practices, get to the games, can play on that team. If you're good enough and you want to show up and be a Houston Arrow, 
you you can be on the Houston Arrows. Yeah, you can be on the Houston Arrows. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so so Division Three Rugby, like by definition, we're open to any anybody, right? So we we even if you never played before, like it's a D three club, we have to invite people in because we're we're kind of the level that's supposed to build the game as well, right? The higher divisions, you know, they can be more selective on who they have on their yeah. teams. Yeah. But like as a D three club, like like we are welcome for anybody to come learn the game and and play rugby. That's cool. So. Now we, we won a quarterfinal last was weekend before last, right? So our second quarterfinal win, and now we're heading into the Texas Rugby Union Championship weekend, which is two days of rugby. So four teams play on Saturday, and the winner and the two winners of those days play on Sunday for the Texas. Jeez. It's like I call it like the state championship, right? Because it's really what it is. So it's the Texas state champion. The winner of that will go on to the national quarterfinal weekend. And the winner of that will go on to the national so championship you, weekend. If you win this next game coming up, which is it against the Blacks? The Austin Blacks. Austin Blacks, which the the, the New Zealand famous team is called the Blacks. Yeah. yeah. So is the Arrows part of like the bigger, like are the Arrows a famous no, world they're, team? They're not associated. No. That's just no. It's not. It's just yeah. they're, they're just like a cool name, kind of like okay. I wouldn't say like Pee Wee, but like you know, there's Pee Wee teams that are named the Chiefs. I'm the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the same idea. But the same Arrows idea. are. Is, so is the Arrows a, a major team or not? That's just the we're Houston. a club level team. But the name, like the. No, the name came from nowhere. The name came from nowhere. Okay. Give them the story of the name. Uh, well, I don't know in depth because, okay, so we are a Catholic rugby club. Right. And I am not a Catholic. Oh, right? I was wondering about these rules. Yeah. I am a non-denominational. Well, no. So we are very inclusive, right? We've had guys that are agnostic. We Last year, we had a guy who was Hindu on our team. Right? And we're, we're still a real big brotherhood, right? Yeah. Um, but our name came from, so St. Sebastian would be our patron saint. And the way he was martyred into sainthood was he was, uh, I don't know why, but it was for spreading the word of Jesus. He was killed by arrows. They, is that how it goes? Well, so, so, so yeah, he was, he, he refused to deny the divinity of Christ, right, to the emperor. Okay. And so he was shot by many arrows. He actually survived that, uh, right? Came back. And they did it and again. And still refused to deny Christ. And then he was like basically beaten to death. Yeah. So that's where the Houston arrows come in. That's, that's where the arrow comes that's from. That's where the arrow comes from. Okay. Right. So right on. So this so our, our mission is to lead people to Christ through rugby and to build brotherhood and oh, wow. build men of virtue through the game of rugby. So between the practices, between the games, between all that, there's this overarching, like higher, bigger picture between you all that it's it's really about our you know serving our purpose and understanding the Lord and our place in this. Yes. And, Right. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so we, we we have two arms, right? And they're they're equal in importance. We're we're a rugby club, right? We take rugby very seriously. We're competitive. Yeah. Right on a on a state, hopefully national level. Yeah. Right. But we're also a, a faith based uh, club, right? So, you know, our actual mission is uh, forming men in Christian virtue through competitive rugby, right? So you can't have one without the other. So everything we do. Both the apostolate side and the rugby side includes both both sides of the club. Yeah, right on. Right, so you, you can't split it up. Like it's yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, makes sense. Right on, right on. Tell me, all right, break, fundamentally break down rugby, man. I don't understand exactly what's going uh, on. I'm gonna when give I you a peanut butter and jelly. I'm gonna drive Brett crazy because yeah. he hates <laughs> Let's it. Do this, yeah. man. You ready for this? Yeah, yes. a pillar and a post. Whenever you get there first, but we call it one and two. All right, so. I'm super new to the sport. Okay. Like very new, right? And I'm very fortunate to have guys 
like these three, and there's other guys here that have been really, really generous with their knowledge. I rely mostly on my, uh, me, use myself as a blunt force instrument and my athletic ability. Yep. Um, but essentially, it's like if you mix soccer and football. Okay. The ball can never move forward in a pass. It can only be passed backwards. Okay. Always. Okay. Uh, penalties are kind of sketchy, and I don't like them because they don't make any sense to me. <laughs> Damn it! It's right? not helping. No. Well, the, the, it's basically it's it's you have to pass the ball backwards. Yeah. There's ne it's either, it has to be a back or a lateral movement. It can never go forward. Right. Right. The only way it can go forward is if you kick it forward. Right. Right. Um, and can all, you pass kick, or is it really just like punt it away? Or can no, you, no, you can you can pass kick. You can pass kick. Yeah. Forward. Yep. Yeah, forward. Yeah, but but whoever whoever everyone has to be behind you if they're yeah, you're, you're the onside line. Oh. So if you kick yeah. it, whoever yeah you have to either have to be behind you chase or, it down. But they have to be behind. They have to start right. from behind right. you. Okay. Or if like if it's me and you and I'm back and you're in front of me, I kick the ball. You're offsides. I got it. Got it. That's one of these penalties. Yeah. Offsides. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and if you think about it, right? So football, because you pass forward, right? A lot of the, a lot of the strategy is is vertical type type movement, right? In rugby, because you always pass backwards, it's a lot more kind of finding space back and forth. Okay. Kind of like soccer, right? Like soccer exposes a lot more horizontal kind of space. Yeah. Like rugby is kind of similar that way because you just can't pass it forward. And then attack right. the holes that you create yeah. by these lateral. And there's confusions. no downs either, right? So there's you no can, you can go back and forth as many times as you want as long as you maintain possession you have opportunities, right? You're trying to kind of suck defenses in, create space. So when you get tackled, right? You get the ball, you have the ball, you get tackled and you fall to the ground, you're holding the ball. How do you reset like the game or whatever? Well, you don't re you don't hold the ball. When you tackle, when you get tackled, you have to play the ball backwards and you can't hold the ball. So if you were to tackle me, I hit the ground. Yeah. Basically, if you, in, in grappling, we call it shrimping. You basically like, make your body as small as you can and you play your bo the ball as far away from the tackler because if Richard was to come out over the, after the tackle, he can, that ball is open. I'm not allowed to hold that ball. So if Richard puts his hands on the ball, he can take the ball. Oh, and start pitching it. So then you got guys like these two gorillas. Well, if once I get tackled, they essentially seal me. It, it's called rucking. They basically just lay over top of me. That's what I call it. He's not, I don't care, Brett, get over it. It's a penalty. Oh, that's a penalty. Well, they they basically seal over top of me to make sure guys that are trying to poach the ball can't come through. Okay. And then we have and, and you can get it out to somebody. Well, we have a we have a position that's dedicated for that, and he's a scrum half, essentially like a quarterback. Uh, he goes in, he gets the ball, and he's and he's looking as long as the ball's on the ground, and it's protected. It's protected. But as soon as he picks up the ball, it's, it's game live. On. Okay. So then he redistributes the ball, and it's just crash, crash, crash. Jeez. And that's where this idea of like support comes from, right? So Jacob mentioned in rugby, like you're never on your own, right? Because if you're on your own and you get tackled, and there's nobody with you to kind of seal that, it's it's a live ball, right? But if you have somebody with you, someone supporting you, and you get tackled, and he's he gets over you, it kind of sets up like a line of scrimmage. Where like now the defense okay. basically has to go through that person to get to the ball. They can't go around anymore. Okay. Yeah, I'm following that. Okay. And then when you get to an actual touchdown, when you are what's a try. It called? a try. When you get to a try, how many points is that? Five. Okay. And then once you get a try, you get to kick a field goal. Yep. It is two points. It's oh, like okay. seven. Yeah. So it's just like so football. it's just like football. Do you have an option to do a different play than a kick? No. Like in football? No. no. Okay. But the difference is wherever, wherever you. Um, 
Right. So, the, so in football, they call it a touchdown, which carried over from rugby, right? So in rugby, when you cross over the line, you don't score until you touch the ball down. The ball has and to so touch And so wherever the you touch the ball down, like uh, horizontally, you come out directly from that point and kick the field goal. Right? So it's so not like a football. The side, it's like a really angled kick. Yeah, you got to kick it all angled. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering about that. Yeah. So that's why they run. Or you see them cross over and they run towards the middle as long as they can before they get tackled. They try to set up the easier, up easier the, kick. An easier kick. How, how far is the kick? It's as far as you want it to be. Right, so, so the further out you are, you probably want to go further back to get a good angle. Get a better angle. Yeah, okay. But if you so really, if you if touch you, it right in the middle, you can hit yeah. like a five yard. Yeah. Is it in yards? Meters. Everything's yeah. in meters. I so call them yards. Thing. It's pretty close, close right? It's like within inches, right? Yeah. Three point two five. Yeah. Versus three point yeah. something else. I call them yards. Damn. I'm a right football guy, man. All right. So let's uh, let's end it with this. You you guys are about to go into this game against the Austin Blacks. This is the best team, arguably, in the whole country, or for sure the state. Where are they at? They are within. They are the top five in the country. Top five. And they are number one in the state, on, on all three levels. Even their women's team is top is top in the state. It's got to be coaching, huh? I mean, do they have that kind well, of talent? I'll tell you this: it's their talent and their coaching. So they got guys on that team that are former internet like Eagles. They played for the international team. They got guys that played professional rugby and premier rugby overseas yeah. for years. And now, like, like I say, they're, they're just playing kickabout with a bunch of midgets. <laughs> right? And they're good. But wow. you know what? We are too. Nice. They hang up 100 points on people. We do too. Damn we man. hit hard. So do they. They still have to. They bleed the same blood we do. That's right. So they got to see us. Yeah, man. I'm charged up, man. When's this game? When's the game going to happen? April 22nd. 22nd, where's it going to happen? Austin. Oh, you guys are going into their territory. So last year they hosted the – they pick a central place to do the championship weekend. It was at their facility last year, and now it's at the Austin Huns, who we beat in the quarterfinal. Nice. So it's at their facility. So it's kind of like a slap in the face when we show up. because like, eh, we knocked you out of the playoffs, but we're going to play on your field. So and Take out the blacks. Yeah, and that's the, that's the goal. This team – so they found in 2016 and hadn't seen a winning season since last since, until last year. The Arrows? The Arrows. Oh, wow. Last year was our first winning season, and it, we took it all the way to the final. And we, the lost, Blacks. and we lost to the Blacks. And now we've doubled it up. So now we have to beat them. Nah, that's awesome, man. All right, so how do I tune into this game if I don't get to go up to Austin and watch it live? USA Rugby has a YouTube channel, and, oh, they, cool. and they live stream the games. Nice. I'll, right I'll on. send you the link. Huh? I'll Dick will send it link. to you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Right on, man. All right. So if you beat the Blacks, what happens? Then we play the next day, uh, the winner between Oklahoma City and Fort Hood. How good are they? They're both good, but we but we beat them both last year. Nice. So nice. So you guys feel good going into that. Well, you can't. You can't really. You can feel good because we've seen the teams before, but that last year is last year. Right. 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 So we have to be honest about it. And, uh, and, yeah. and we beat Fort Hood on a walk-off score. Yeah, so it, it was, was literally. Close, it was a close it was game. Literally, literally, time was time was done, and we scored to, to win the game. Yeah. What? And oh man, and they want you guys. Then they would love to see you guys. And Oklahoma's really good too. They were really good when they came and saw us last year in the quarterfinal. We just uh, we play our brand of rugby, and our brand of rugby is a very physical style of rugby. Huh? And we have a relentless attack. And we have a relentless defense. We get physical. Wow. So what's up with that? Is that the coach? What's the coach's history? Like, where do you guys learn this from? So our coach, Andy Hildich, he's from uh, Belfast, Ireland. And he's like his dad, uh, Northern, right? He's Belfast. Yeah? Yeah. He's from Northern Ireland. But uh, his dad is 
rugby royalty. What? His dad was a ref for, for the Rugby World Cup a couple times. Wow. Uh, he grew up playing rugby, and uh, he went to he Ulster. Gets it. And he knows where to put you guys. He knows what you know, brings out the best of you guys. He really knows how to kick the dirt and make <laughs> you want to go after somebody. <laughs> he really does. Like he'll, he'll get under your skin in a way, kind of like a high school Texas football coach will. You know, like with an Irish accent and shorter. And then, but then he's, he's real cute about it because then he gets all sweet afterwards. It's like, man, you, we know you're not American because I'm not going to say sorry after I cuss you out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So say let's let's go to Sunday. You guys you guys take down Oklahoma or Fort Worth, whatever, or Fort Hood. What did you say? Fort Hood or Oklahoma. Fort Hood or Oklahoma. What happens then? Then So then we become the Texas Rugby Union champions, Red River Conference champions. Okay. And then on May 6th, the weekend of May 6th, we will play in the national quarterfinal against whoever wins the East Coast. Oh wow! So like uh, we're talking New York, Pennsylvania. And it's here. And it's here at Houston SaberCats. Is that right? They'd yeah, have to it's come like here. Like Florida, Georgia, Louisiana. Florida, like, Georgia, like Louisiana. Kind of okay, region. southeast. Yeah. Damn, dude. So when you break up the country, is it kind of northeast, southeast, south central, central, south west, north yeah. central, and then there's two like in the a mountain and then west? Yeah, there's I think there's four total. Yes. And they're all right now doing the same thing you guys are doing. That's Everybody's right. on this schedule of get your games in. Let's find out who's going to win, who's going to travel. We're all on championship weekend schedules. Who pays for all this? We do. It's cl- yeah, club rugby, right? So we have dues. So player, we Player dues support the clubs. So we pay. We sip. So we register. And then we pay our club our club dues and uh, an insurance fee, right? And we have sponsors. sponsors. So uh, Gasket Technology is one of our sponsors. You guys have a uniform that has these people's logos yeah. on it? Nice. Uh, Pla- oh, at Platypus Brewery, which is here in Houston. Uh, oh, yeah. And they're one of our sponsors. So you guys got that logo on your jersey? On our shorts. On the shorts. And then uh, Brett's company, my company sponsors it. Um, we, have, we, have, we have ER right on our tech tee as one of our sponsors. Uh, and we, we have a, CR, one yeah. of the local dentists. Uh, I think she's here in the Heights. Dental Oasis. No also. kidding. That's cool, man. So that's how that's you guys. You heart. <laughs> that's how you guys pull this off. All right. Now, what's is, as far as like Houston Arrows uh, as a club, how are you guys uh, going to continue to develop what this is? Like, I'm, I'm super charged up about it. I feel like there's obviously brotherhood. You guys are here together. You guys enjoy each other. But how are you, as a club, building something that's gonna be like always number one in the South Texas? Like how? Like what's what's the development of of the arrows? You go from a fundamental basis. That's a mentality thing, right? So you got guys like Matt, Brett, Mike, and Richard, myself, and the other guys on the team. Juan, we all want to win. Yeah. Right. And we're not just we don't just want to win on the field. We want to win in life. Right. Right. And in business, like we're not just guys that are sitting on our asses and our thumbs, right? Like we're trying to do the best for our families. We're trying to do the best for our companies, community, our community. a lot of community outreach. Well, we have a youth rugby program, which I'm running this summer. Nice. Right. So we're going to help the youth around this community and communities that surround just to give them something to do during the summer, introduce them to rugby. Right. Right on. And, and eventually that will grow into more community outreach, but it's the type of people that we want to we are we want to attract. Yeah, we want to attract guys that want to compete, who want to be better. Yeah, regardless of what's going on in their life, we all have our struggles. You don't want to be in that struggle no more. You That's find right. yourself a group of men who emulate the things you want out of life, and those blessings will come. 
You just have to surround yourself with the right people. And that's what this club is. And that's how we will maintain being number one. Because it's not just the unathletic people that have hurts mentally, emotionally, whatever. There's studs out there that get lost in their purpose. When you find guys within work or in the community that have a purpose and they find that purpose in competition and you see them thriving in the community or in their work, it makes you think, I could try that. Yeah. And I can run. Yeah. I like to hit. <laughs> Let's do that. And then I'll, like, I can tell you when I, like I had the best year of my, I had the best year financially last year. And I attribute that to what I did here. Wow. On this, we practice here. Yeah. And these men, it, I felt so confident because I was surrounded by men who, who poured into me. Yeah. Who, it wasn't like, Oh man, you really, you really fudged that up, dude. Like you suck. Yeah. I heard that a couple times, <laughs> but it was more like, it's like, you're an animal. Yeah. You got this. You like, you're taking that home with you. You're taking it, it to yeah. your board. And then, you're and take- I mean, I'm, I met the love of my life shortly after joining this Is club. Is that right? Absolutely. So like, I found the greatest things. Ah. This club, hmm. I have custody of my son because of this club. Jeez, yeah. dude. Rugby. Surround yourself with men who want to be better yeah. and make you better. 100%, man. And, and rugby can do that. Woo! That's how we're going to end the show, man. <laughs> that was fucking awesome, dude. There you go. You came through.